0: Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It is Wheeler Dealer Radio. It is our second week of our uh, all-Italian edition of Wheeler Dealer Radio. Uh, Before we get into it, I want to remind everyone to follow our Twitter feed at WDR Podcast. And leave us a five-star review on iTunes because we are uh, molto bene, as they like to say, in the home country of Tottenham Hotspur Calcio Club. Uh, We are here to talk about, we have finally, for the first time in like two and a half years, have games coached by a good coach to talk about. It's very exciting. Joining me this week, coming to us from the wilds of South Florida, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian, how are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. I'm very excited that Norwich got their first Premier League win already, so now that <laughs> we don't have to suffer the ignominy of being their first Premier League win of the season. So, See, this, um,
0: this is why you listen to of Dealer Radio listeners, because... We have hired one of the best managers in the world, better than any manager we could have hoped for after the mess of the season was started, but Brian's got his eye on the ball. Brian knows that the real threat to Tottenham is being Norwich's first win of the season, so Brian, kudos on your diligence right there.
1: That's right. I'm committed, if nothing else.
0: And uh, Ben cannot join us today because he is not committed, Uh, but joining us in his stead, coming to us from sunny Kansas City? is ryan rosenblatt ryan thanks for pitch hitting tonight
2: no problem i mean I, I know this is an audio medium but i'm glad to make this podcast a little bit better looking
0: <laughs> thanks thanks We're, we'll, we'll all bleach our hair together with you in solidarity next time <laughs> that,
2: that that had nothing to do with you that was that was a dig it ben
1: okay <laughs> i appreciate it okay. i'm okay with that then then yeah, i totally agree it. yeah i'll
0: allow it yeah <laughs> um, so yeah, so Riot. I figured last time we had you on, which was only a few weeks ago, we, we it was a fairly despondent podcast between uh, the Newcastle news and just the ongoing Nuno uh, debacle. Uh, but you know, I, I don't think I expect things to be quite so good, quite so quickly. Certainly by, not by the next time you were on. Uh, how, how are you since you weren't on since Nuno since Nuno's been fired and Conte has been hired? How do, how do you feel about the Conte hire?
2: I mean, is there any way to feel except exuberant? Like we we went from uh, just an absolute footballing terrorist in Mourinho to a nice child who wears jackets in Ryan Mason to someone who doesn't believe in midfielders passing in Nuno to one of the conservatively five best managers in the world like i have no idea how we got here other than manchester united are a disaster thank you for that but i'm so so happy to be here we, we i don't really care how we got here we we have a legitimate top five manager in the world and the talent actually suits him pretty well so i don't i i don't know how we got here the last two years were hell um i don't care we're happy now
0: we did it baby i think it's Telling, I, I've seen some a few Spurs, but not overwhelming by any stretch of the imagination. Who were a little disappointed by our performances. I was honestly, when you consider that he had like, you know, one actual training session and maybe another, not actual training session um, before the Vitesse game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, I, I was real. I honestly, I, I am incredibly impressed by the two performances, Vitesse in particular. Because I thought as much as he – it is in my opinion that we are not changing lineups around greatly because, you know, I think there's not a lot of time to work with, and I think he's going with guys who are match fit. And, like, I think he's doing something similar to you know, just because he's got to run a team out there for two games. I, I think the difference was just evident immediately. I mean, yes, he played a back three, but even just the passing patterns, I thought, were instantly better. I think our our friend in Erschweil, uh Co host Michael Cayley said to us, We were chatting about It's like, you know, going from not trying to pass it forward to trying to pass it forward and not quite working is such a huge improvement, even though it's not working yet. I mean, it's just evident. I mean, Brian, how, what did you think of of these performances given how little time we had to work with?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could see just in the first. 15 minutes of the Vitesse game, just, you know, Hoyberg and Skip making forward runs from midfield, um, you know, which you hadn't been seeing. Um, you know, you saw throughout the match, like um, there was uh, Sun gets into a position, kind of at the near the end line in the penalty box, and he just kind of, without looking, cuts it back to the penalty spot. And, and then you see, like, Kane and Lucas, who are both nowhere near the penalty spot, just, like, look at each other and kind of, like, yell and gesticulate at each other. Like, one of them was supposed to be there, but neither of them were. So you can tell that there are at least some things that are already getting instilled into these people. Like, here, when you're in this position, this is what you do, and this is what you do, and you make this run. And, um, and, and you know, I, I didn't expect it to... Um, you know, show immediate results, but but like you said, like having any sort of plan in the attacking third, and having a plan to also get the ball from our defensive third into the attacking third is such a huge step forward um, that it's that it's been a lot more enjoyable to watch.
0: Enjoyable to watch. That's <laughs> I, I I would the Lucas Moore's goal in the, uh, the test game was. I don't know. It's probably been a year since I've enjoyed anything Tottenham have done in a match. That, but probably since, no, not a year, I guess, since Eric Lamella's Rabona against Arsenal. And that's probably the last thing I've enjoyed that much in a Spurs match. I mean, it was, it, it was. I mean, that play in particular, where it looked like these guys knew what they were doing. It, it, it's just, God, I can't wait till this guy gets a little bit more time with the team because it's already so much better. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think the. Like, they were trying to do real things. And, like, the that, admittedly, like, the bar we're setting is on the floor. But, like, you can see, like, hey, we're trying to do something. And it's not just, like, well, we tried, which was kind of, like, the best you could hope for for, like, the last two years is we tried. We didn't really try anything in particular, but we tried. And, like, now you're like, oh, no, like, you you tried to do a specific thing. You had a plan. and And, like... You can see that, like, I mean, it it wasn't good. Like, the passes missed a lot, and, like, the couple shots we had was, like, our fullbacks coming on the back post sometimes, which is probably not going to be the best plan of attack if your, like, wingbacks have to try and score on the volley. But, like, there was a plan, and you can so easily see that when they get a little bit more time in the system and hopefully when um, some of the better players are in the position to do those things, or maybe we even buy a player to like, you're just like, Oh, like turn this up, like the execution up 10%. And like, this team is flying. Like you could actually envision a future. Now you can see what they're building to, because there is actually something that is being built, which is astounding to think about because Conte did more for laying a foundation in like what, four days than uh, Tottenham had done in two years.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, even taking aside, you know, some of the the actual attacks, which like Ryan said, they didn't exactly result in, especially in the Everton match, anything that was like a shot on goal or anything like that. But like,
0: you know, like something baby that sacks, would be actually... is <laughs> no,
1: uh, one you know, of the like, five
0: greatest managers in the world. He's not the greatest manager in the world. <laughs> right, right. Exactly.
1: Um, but, you know, like just watching the buildup play, uh, you know, the 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 way the ball moves... From back to front, the way it moves from you know one flank to the other, like we're doing quick switches of play that we just weren't doing before. We're doing passing
0: triangles. When's the last time we did that outside of like the very outside of like two center backs and our keeper, like.
1: I mean,
2: yeah. I, th- I think Brian actually hit, like, an important part here, though, is that when the mistakes were made, like, and they would be pointing and yelling at each other, they would be pointing at specifically where the other player is supposed to go, as opposed to previously, it was throwing your hands up and screaming at someone just because, like, they didn't pass the ball. Like, they like clearly, they knew that, like, no, you're supposed to go here, and the reason it broke down is because you didn't go to where you were supposed to go, which means that, like, there was a place for people to go. It's-
1: right, as there's there's just a very clear plan. And I mean, like you can see it when, you know, you're seeing Hoyberg or Skip alternately get forward from their spot in midfield to create, you know, overloads on the ball side. And then we switch out of that and try to, you know, uh, just to shift the point of attack. It, it, it's... Like, like Ryan said, it, it, there is a plan, and I know that we're clearing it like, like a very very low bar here, where the you know the plan is something more than Kane and Son are good, do that, and you know it, it's just it was interesting to watch. Like the Vitesse game was actually fun for like the first thirty five to forty minutes. Um, you know the Everton game, I don't know that it was fun necessarily but it was certainly more interesting than than most of our matches this year have been um so i i don't know i i am interested to see what he can do with you know getting a, a full week of training with some of the squad during international break and then another you know I get not a full week, but another at least partial week with the people coming back from international break and, and see kind of what the team looks like after that kind of headed into this next run of fixtures, because I think we talked about all this on the show uh, a week or two ago. This is actually a pretty good time to be bringing in a new manager, given what we have in front of us. We Leeds, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich. Um, you know, this is a, a decent time to to be trying some new stuff, to be figuring out um, who does what, where they do it, and how. Uh, so, so I'm really excited for this next you know month or so of games. I mean,
2: if 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 there is a downside with Conte, it's that he's not going to stick around for a super long time. But I mean the fact that like when we talk about it's like, Hey, there's a plan. They're trying to do this over the next few games. We'll see how they grow into it in January. We'll probably add two or three players to kind of round out the squad to fit what he wants to do. Like this is the first time since Pochettino took over that, like there's an actual project at Tottenham and like Pochettino talked about it all the time, how this is a project. This is a project we're building something. And this is not quite going to be the same. Cause like I said, Conte's it's probably a two year project um it's a shorter project but it's an actual project there's something to invest in and like you want to watch it build and grow which like we didn't have under marino because Marino wasn't a project like Nuno wasn't a project mason kind of was just standing there looking like a big boy and so like it's it's exciting that the, like what like we talk about this we're talking about like the building blocks of a project and i'm just like oh right this is what it felt like to invest in the growth of something and
1: it's, you yeah. know,
0: I'm, I'm kind of fine with going all in in the way that we have because I mean, maybe it's not the smartest idea to do in terms of, like, you know, we're, we're clearly trying to win now. Or maybe not right now, but, you know, by, it's next, season. Like, it's by next season. It's something, but it's also, like, after the last two years, like, I feel like I have not been quite as broken as some other people who podcast with us. Like, I got several inquiries about Brian's mental health after the last Nuno podcast. Um, But I feel like if we'd hired—and I'm not trying to single him—I I, am trying to single him—if we'd hired like a Potter or something and it didn't work, like there's a level. Of, I mean, I guess if Conte doesn't work, that'll break me too. But if we like went in on the like, okay, sell everyone over the age of 23, like invest, like go get up and comers, da 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 do all that with a really young manager who will pretend is as proven as Pochettino was when he got here, but really isn't. You know, there's a level at which I think that would that would have broken me. And it's like, at least, like, we do have a good squad. We do have a squad that is like, I, I mean, we'll get on to this in a second. But if you can get, I think we, we talked about this a little bit in the summer. I don't think it quite registered with me until I sort of lived through the Nuno um, appointment. But, like, if you can get Conte, like, I mean, just the, like, difference we've seen in a week, I think, demonstrates, like, why, if you can get him, you go get him. And if you have to burn some bridges or, like you know, shorten some timelines over the next few years, you just do it and figure it out later. I mean, my guess is that the, this we're in a more steady financial position and that's why this is happening. We think we can afford it in a way maybe we weren't sure about in the summer, but man, I don't know. I'm just glad to see us. Like you said, Ryan, we have a plan. I'm happy that I don't have to like buy into another rebuild for another team that I watch.
2: It's just, it's exciting. Like, it's exciting. I, I would, I would have bought into a Potter 10. Hog like, I, I, I would have like, there's a level I, which I is a risk pro- that I I want to, I'm fine with a risk. My thing is I, I want a project. I want to buy into something. I want to feel like, Hey, we're going to be ambitious. We're going to aim for up here and we're going to try it. And we might crash and burn along the way, but shit, we, we try to thing. We invest in the thing that could have been them. Conte is that it, it's in a different way, but he absolutely is that. A, and I, a thing that I also kind of like appreciate is like, yeah, it's a shorter term plan. And like we're not going to sell someone like Kane now, and and the money's not going to come in in the same way. It really is a, a an all in bet here. But, well, this is why you don't sell. Kane.
0: This is if you're not going to sell Kane. Is, these are right. the circumstances under which you don't do that.
2: Correct. I'm not, that's not a criticism. I'm just no, saying, no, like, no, this, no. I this, agree with you. I agree we've with you. chosen this saying. path. That's cool. But I I think like you say, there definitely is more money there. Um, instead of like Levy, like making the decisions and making the hires that a big club wouldn't make. I, I think there is actual reason to believe that Tottenham are actually act like a big club now where like, you don't have to sell Kane to be able to fund like your next generation striker. Um, they'll just pay for it. So like, I think that that mitigates the downside some too. Also, I think if you look at Conte's history and Paratici's history, I mean they have some misses on transfers but they don't miss because they signed a 29 year old like they aim young unless it's a free transfer which like sure go ahead I don't really care Um, but when they spend money they spend it on younger players so if Conte does great or does poorly whatever it is in two three years when he's done that project ends but like it, it really isn't a it isn't a scenario here where like the club will be in shambles either way like that is an actual upside to him, too, is that, like, this is a project. We're going to build towards it. We're going for it. But if whenever it ends, whether it ends great or terribly, like, it's not like you have to win it now or everything goes to shit. Because it won't. Like, the club is actually going to be in a pretty good place after this, too, which is a really reassuring place to be.
1: Well, and I think that's the thing is is, you know— y- 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 I think finding long-term managers that are committed to projects is, is such a rarity in, in football now. And, and like we had Pochettino, so we were very spoiled to, to have that when, when so many clubs just don't. And, and so, you know, I, I think, you know, hiring the best manager that you can get for the squad that you have for the immediate future is, is always a good decision. And and looking at Conte's track record, like Ryan said, you know, At the end of this, whether it's actually successful or not, which would be hugely disappointing if it's not at least marginally successful, but he's not going to leave you in a worse place than where you were when he started, which is when we hired Jose Mourinho, we were all kind of very realistic about it. Like, uh, all right, well, maybe we'll win a trophy and then, you know, I guess at the end of this, we'll just rebuild. You don't think Conte is going to burn it down if he can't sign Matic? I mean I think he <laughs> I, will, I won't, won't be Matic, but it'll be like sign some 90 million pound striker. He might But like that's the down. thing
2: though is he he's going to go sign like a 22 year old that actually has something there instead of like a 36 year old who like has two false hips.
1: Exactly. And, and so you know even if he you know if you look at Inter like if Inter didn't have weird ownership issues um yeah, you know they they had a ton of money this summer from selling Hakimi and Lukaku, and they still had Lautaro around. They still had Brozovic. They still had all these other guys. that they could have, uh, you know the the cupboard wasn't exactly bare for them after winning the you know their first Serie A title in however long. Like I, I think certainly with the squad of players we have with the, the, what we have available to us, like there's, this was the best case scenario.
0: For Ryan, you, you mentioned in passing earlier in this podcast that you thought this was a squad that was well suited to Conte. can What do you think? Who do you think on the squad is really just keyed up to succeed under him?
2: I mean, I, I think that his, his ability to, Oh, well, I, th- I think it's twofold. One, um, you look at someone like Romero. Like, I think Romero is really well-suited to pass out the back and play the way he wants to. I think that he was actually going to use players in the middle who pass the ball. So I, I think you're going to see Lo Celso and Anabelle actually get chances to pass the ball forward. Um, I also think the other thing about him that – I don't know if it, it kind of gets overlooked or, or kind of just forgotten – Because he he does play three at the back almost exclusively, and his teams generally are good defensively. He's not a super defensive manager, and he's not a very rigid manager. His teams have played a lot of different ways kind of within that shape, and I think that that is really good for us because I think that is going to be able to have that type of flexibility to make— Son and Kane work together. I think Kane in particular is going to be really good. And we've heard that from Conte where he's like, no, I want you to go forward. I want you to stay forward. Stop trying to be like a number 10, like, no, you're our number nine, go up there. Um, and so I think you kind of see those types of things. And I think that um, like we are a good, I think we're a good squad. We are a flawed squad and we don't actually fit super seamlessly as a squad. Like you look at the players, some of them kind of don't fit with some of the other players. And the key to me, I think, is having a manager who is able to work with that. And I think Conte is where he's going to be able to sit there and say, you know what? Like, yeah, we're probably going to go sign a center back. But like Ben Davies, not a particularly good player, but like he's going to be able to find a little bit of Ben Davies. But like, hey, you can pass the ball forward a little bit. We're going to make that work and also cover for the fact that you're slow. Um, we're going to look at a player like Lucas and be like, okay, you can progress the ball and you can run around a lot. And like we can work with that in a way where you're not our only option to progress the ball like Nuno. And I think that you look at, even from these first two games and the little bit of freedom that he gave Hojbjerg and Skip was very different than we saw from Nuno. And I think that despite the fact that I don't think that they are going to play together long-term, um, I think that one of the more forward-minded players are going to come in. Um, well, they're going to have to in the next match. It skip's not allowed well, yeah. to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think the fact that, like, we saw them do something a little bit differently, and then you can put a Lo Celso in there, or you could put an Endobele in there, or you could take Lucas off and put both of them in there. I, I think that because it's not entirely clear exactly what the best eleven is, and you have a lot of different skill sets there, that... With the exception of a handful of players, there's a lot of strengths and a lot of weaknesses. You need a manager who is going to be able to both play up those strengths and hide those weaknesses and balance them against each other. And I think that Conte has proven throughout his career that he's really good at that.
1: Well, and it's, I think you've missed the potential for a um, Hoybier Winks midfield oh, in the next game. God. Um, <laughs> I mean, he'll be there all international break, not doing anything Conte else. Just Maybe- looking at- look at
0: that top five manager list being like, how do
2: I move up?
1: Hmm. <laughs> wait, Turn like, Harry wait,
0: so I'm going to win. I'm going to win with those
2: two. In this podcast is cursed. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Uh,
0: I, I think it's, it, it is the Everton game. I thought was really interesting because I think that was honestly, I weirdly think that was, a, it was a impressive performance and that again, very little time with the team, you know, the test is sort of what it was, but you know, I mean, even though Everton's not really having a good year, that's, it's still Rafa Benitez. It's still a Premier League team. There's still real players there. And we're just getting our act together. And I did not... I mean, a lot of people are calling it a boring game. And one of the reasons it was a bit of a boring game is I don't think there were a lot of great chances on either side of the pitch. And I thought, considering not only how... I don't know, weak our back three is right now, but considering how slow a lot of it is... And he was willing to let those guys get forward... I was impressed by how, how much control we exerted in that game, even
1: accounting for the opponent. Yeah. I mean, you know, to, we were playing, you know, a skip Hoybjerg midfield against, you know, a a midfield for Everton that doesn't move a lot either. Like, I mean, they're, they're playing Delph and Allen in midfield. And so it was always going to be kind of a weird game. I think, Um, so, but yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. Look, we had most of the possession. We had, you know, more passes. We completed more passes. You know, we, we did a lot more stuff on the ball than we have been doing all season. And, you know, just seeing the positions that we were taking up in the tack again, you know, this time without the kind of results that we had against Vitesse. but, you know, Harry Kane, actually playing near the box um has been a big change over the last two games he's he's dropped deep significantly less um, oliver skip making forward passes um was a big change he actually had some i thought i thought skip had a pretty good game against everton um, i know we're kind of largely skip skeptics on this show skeptical but, uh, you, skeptical you yeah could say. very skeptical of oliver. <laughs> um yeah um, and I thought he was fine. I thought he did a good job. And, you know, the, now the reports coming out from all the Spurs journalists are like, he's the golden boy and Conte's very impressed with him and da 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 And um, while I still remain somewhat skeptical about his, like, overall future potential, uh, if Conte thinks he can make him a useful midfielder, I am inclined to trust him. Um, so, I don't know. It, it, it It's... It has been interesting and in ways that none of our matches so far have been. So, so I'm just inclined to kind of go along with it and see what happens.
2: I mean, if you look back at that match and you had to be like how, which Tottenham players were, say, a six out of 10 or better. You you could list a lot of players. You're like, "Eh." like, no one was great, but you'd be like, hey, you, you were pretty good. Like, you were useful. And, like, when was the last time we could say that about a Tottenham team that didn't have either a win or a bunch of goals scored to kind of, like, prop up their performance? Where, like, well, of course they played well because they won. Or, of course, this player played well because they scored a goal. Like, this had none of that. And you just kind of looked out there and you're like, yeah, you were pretty good. And, like, Koiberg, yeah, you were pretty good. And Lucas was pretty good. And, like, Romero was pretty good. And Davies was fine. And, like, Royale was good again. And you're just like, oh, it took four days or whatever it was and like the players at least individually like they have a role they are attempting to execute it and and they're playing pretty well and like you get them some time and you're like oh what happens when they actually like know how to execute what they're doing as opposed to like sawn on a blackboard like two days ago i mean i i think that's kind of where i look at that everton game and i get really excited because there were a lot of good things, or I wouldn't even say good. There were a lot of not bad things, and you stack up enough not bad things, and you give it time, and that not bad should probably turn to good, you know, once they have more than four days together.
0: I thought one of the things, and I guess it shouldn't be a surprise to us, but one of the things I thought really stood out in the average game to me was how good I thought Royale looks. I mean, he was probably one of the bright spots under Nuno, and that is not a shocker that he would continue to play well under Conte but you know for a guy that a lot of Spurs fans got down on pretty quickly or at least a lot of pundits got down on pretty quickly like I, I don't know I'm not feeling like we bought the wrong right back this I mean not to say Tom is going to be bad or anything but like I'm feeling real good about Royale he's, he's kind of a strange player and he's got a motor and he gets up and down the field and he does a lot of defensive work but he doesn't He's not like Kyle Walker or Danny Rose was for us back in the day where he's digging it out and like has real blinding speed. He just kinda moves a lot. Um but well, his positioning's really good. I, I'm very impressed
1: with him as a player. <laughs> you know, and like he was I thought he was good as a fullback because, you know, he did all of the fullback yes. stuff. Like, like you said, like he was, he was taking up good defensive positions and he was getting up and down the pitch and he, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't Serge Aurier where you were like, Oh shit, is he going to tackle somebody and concede a penalty? And you know, like he, he was just, you know, fairly steady, fairly consistent, like good in all phases of the game. And, you know, now you've kind of pushed him up to wing bat. You kind of freed him up to do a little bit less of some of the defensive work. Um, and and I think his attacking play has has been better in the last two games. I mean, he certainly ran with the ball more uh, in the last two matches than he has in either or any of the games that he's played for, for Spurs before this. Um, I he's still not fast, but I, I think he's he's shown a little more speed. He's got um, stamina. Dribbling if forward that makes sense. Like it's yeah. He just keeps going. Yeah, like absolutely would I love him to get the ball on like a quick switch with space in front of him and just blow by everybody. Yeah. But I mean, like, he just doesn't. And, you know, he just kind of but he carries the ball along and the rest of the attack catches up with him and then he tries to make stuff happen. And, you know, his crossing is fine. And his his dribbling is fine. And I I, I think he's 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 going to be a consistent performer for us. I think, you know, like Ryan said, you're going to get like a six out of 10, seven out of 10 performance from him. I don't think you're ever going to wind up with those like crazy, amazing surgery a games where he scores like a, you know, a 25 yard volley and then also has two assists and, you know, six foul throws or whatever. Like we're not going to get, you know, that level of attacking performance from him. But if he's just like a competent right or, you know, right wing back that allows Romero to step into midfield and do, you know, Romeroy stuff and, you know, allows the rest of our attack to do all this other stuff, then it, I, I think he's he's going to be good. I mean, I think to me, he's it's just kind of keep cementing.
2: I think I said it on the last time I was on the podcast, but like he he's not exceptional, but he's a guy you put him out there and you don't have to worry about him. You're just like okay, like you're going to do your job. We're done now. We're going to go focus on one of the other 10 players. Um, And like that kind of sounds like a knock, but I think that's wildly valuable to just be like, great. Here's a position I don't have to worry about. And especially like look through the last, whatever, like eight years of Tottenham Hotspur and like how much of the team, when things went poorly, were dragged down by the bad player. Like it, it it's in a lot of times been a real weak link issue. Like it hasn't been that the, good players weren't good enough, it's because the bad player kind of dragged down the whole team. That's a player where you know you don't have to worry about him ever. And I think that that's especially valuable at fullback because, as we know, there aren't a ton of guys who you can say that about at fullback. It's probably the thinnest position in the world. So having a just kind of don't have to worry about him. Fullback is super valuable. And I think now under Conte, that he'll fill that position at wingback. I also wouldn't be shocked at some point if he ends up playing on the right side of the three and you put someone like a Lucas or or, or a Bergwijn out at wingback. And my inclination is he'd probably be the exact same player there too, where you're just like, yeah, you did a pretty good job. I don't have to worry about you moving on. And like, Again, that's like that's a compliment. Like just being like, "Hey, okay, you're gonna go play one of these eleven spots, and you're gonna do a solid job. Let's go worry about something else." Like that's so valuable to have.
0: I'm I'm really impressed with his defense because that is not something he did well, or at least it was always hard to tell when he was at Bettis if he wasn't a good defender or if Setien just didn't care about defending and he was just <laughs> part of a mess at the back and it wasn't so much his fault as the entire team. He was good in the last year under Pellegrini and maybe he taught him some things or maybe he was just asked to actually defend. But I have been extremely pleasantly surprised by how solid he's been when he's been asked to... You know, less so in these games because he hadn't had to do as much of it in these games. But under Nuno, I thought he was surprisingly competent. Like you said, just a guy who's not... There's not a lot of weak spots in his game. And like you said, Ryan, there's just... I mean, it, if there's anyone who should appreciate a player you don't have to worry about, it's, ta- it's Totten fans.
2: I mean, he's also like... I mean, I, I understand that, like, in terms of especially a fullback, because, I mean, you have to be able to run a lot, and so youth is especially important. Like, your prime doesn't it comes earlier than it does elsewhere. But, like, he's 22 years old. Mm. I mean, th- this is a dude who's 22 years old. He's been playing in Europe for – I think this is his third season in Europe. Um,
0: fourth, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, like, his third season in Europe. He only played in, in the Brazilian top flight at Mineiro for one season, I think. Like, I, I think that also – like it's it's pretty remarkable that he's he's kind of, I I think that there's reason of like when you talk about like well he didn't defend like this two years ago or whatever like mm-hmm. yeah he didn't defend like that it, like right which is like I'm not saying you're wrong or like but like I no, think that right. that's actually that's a sign of encouragement that like at 19 in his first year in Europe in his really second top flight season ever like he had some issues and then the year after that at 20 he was pretty good and then like at 21 you look and you're like oh you're really dependable like that's a natural growth there that I think is actually really encouraging. I mean, he's,
0: this doesn't mean what it used to mean, but like if Barcelona weren't broke as hell, like, I mean, he'd be the starting right back for Barcelona this year, which is, I I know that again, that doesn't mean what it used to mean, but it still means something, I think. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's to our credit. We were able to nab him. Now I, I might've like contracted, you know, my son's in daycare. So I might be contracting viruses that are melting my brain, but if I'm not mistaken, another fullback, who might have had his best performance in a Tottenham shirt under under Conte was when Doherty went out there and wasn't abject and had one or two good moves. Was that his best performance in a Tottenham shirt? Yeah, I'm not saying he was good, but it might have been his best performance in a Tottenham shirt.
2: I, I'm, drunk and... yeah. I'm, dr- I, I, I'm drunk on Conte. Brian muted, yeah. Damn it. I'm drunk on Conte and, well, Brian's just being Brian. What,
1: yeah. if, what, no. if, Conte
2: fixed, what if Conte fixed Doherty, Brian?
1: First of all, he didn't. Doherty was horrible. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you. He, he had like a move or two. Like, come no, on. No, he, 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 he almost drew a penalty on probably the most telegraphed, I'm going to cut inside move ever. <laughs>
0: if that's and not progress, I don't know what is. Nah,
1: I mean, it, 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 it was weird to me that that was the decision. I, I mean, Regulon had to come off. He absolutely had to. He was going to get sent off, um, and it was weird to me that instead of bringing on another center back and pushing Davies up to the wing back, or using one of the attacking midfielders as a as a left wing back, or or using switching Emerson over to left wing back and putting Doherty on the right, that the decision was to put Doherty at right wing back and, and or left wing back rather and i don't know he, He's got to move I up do. that
0: best coach list somehow man
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't want to see that ever again but you know <laughs> I, don't I appreciate see it, again it
0: either i'm just saying it was not nearly as bad as i was expecting it today
2: i i thought we'd set the bar as low as it could possibly nope. be when we were like you know what conte you came in and the players had a plan and you know what we've set it lower
1: <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I I think we said it on, on last week's show, and, and I'm sure that it's been a sentiment that's been echoed on other Spurs podcasts. I'm interested to see Ryan Sessanyon play left wing back. Um, I think that would be perfect for him. You think they're uh, going to let
0: wheelchairs on the pitch during a game?
2: I, I would love a proof of life. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> I mean,
1: just we don't even know what his health status is. i uh, yeah, but but I mean, if you if we are in a position where we need players that can play that wing back role, he would seem to fit the bill in terms of you know being able to arrive at the back post. I would rather you know the the chance that Regulon had in the in the first half against Everton. I would rather that fall to Ryan Sessegnon because I have a little more faith in his finishing ability, um, like just marginally more. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, that was
0: a, that was a tough beat for Sergio. That was.
1: No, I mean, I look. I'm not saying that Sessignon or any anybody else would have scored that. Like that's a that's a tough, you know, skill to execute. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just no more Doherty left wing back, please.
0: <laughs> it was so like our fullbacks are promising, and we've talked about that. I, I I'm still I'm shocked. yet Davies like running up and doing the underlap. Like, I, I I couldn't believe he had Davies getting as far forward as he did. It was... I mean, kudos to him, because he actually had some productive plays doing it, but, like, that just... I mean, I mean he scored a goal.
2: <laughs> he did. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, the, the ball went off him, and then it went in the goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not off his attacking play. But... It, it's just God. I can't believe we're using Dave. It's it's. I don't know. He's got. There's not a lot of tools to use back there. But I can't believe he's having Davies get that far forward. It's it's ridiculous. I mean,
1: I'm interested to see if that's something that continues too far into this. Like I I you know I don't know. I I. I except that Ben Davies has some skills that make him useful and attractive to new managers. Um, and, and he has been mostly fine in these these first two matches. But like he's not as Billqueetta light. Like he's just not he's not that level of defender. He's not that level on the ball. Um, he's okay. Um, in the same way that, like, Royale is good kind of in all phases and you don't really have to worry about him, Davies is, like, almost there. Like, where you're like, ah, if, it, if everything goes well, I don't have to worry about this. I mean, but it doesn't really ever go that well.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think the question, I mean, this is kind of like, a, at least for at Tottenham, a final test for Joe Rodon, because yeah, that's, I mean, he's he's the only other left-footed, He's the only the guy who can play with his left as a center back. So, like, it's Davies or Rodon, and we'll find out. Like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with playing Davies right now, kind of as you said at the beginning, Greg, Greg. Like, Rodon's barely played. There's no way he can be match fit. And the one thing we know about Conte is he refuses to even indulge playing anyone who cannot run a lot. And, and Rodon, through no fault of his own, almost certainly cannot right now. So, I mean, it'll take a little bit of time, but... Like there, there really isn't another option. Your options are Davies right now, um, an unfit Rodon, or like you put Romero over there and blunt your best center back. So that way you can put Sanchez on the right or move Roy Allen and then put Lucas or Bergwijn on the right and it wing back. Like, I mean, I, I, if, if Davies is going to be the center back in March, we have a problem. Um, but I also like, until Rodon gets some level of match fitness um, and we see what he has and hopefully Conte takes a liking to him or we buy a left-footed center back in um, the January window. Like he's we were, what we got. We're definitely <laughs> buying a center back. I, I, if there is anything we're
0: buying in January, I cannot I, I, imagine. I would assume so. Back.
2: Yeah. But like, like I, like I, I think like what, and, and like what else are you going to do? And at least Davies can pass the ball forward. Like, is that is that the bar you want to set? No, but like he, he brings something to the table. He absolutely takes things off the table, but at least he's bringing something to table while he's also taking stuff off of it, and there's just not another option until Rodon gets fit.
0: I mean, that's we, we've talked about this with a lot of players. We talked about it, I feel like, all last show, but I think, again, one of the things about Conte is, like, Rodon, I think, is a poster boy for this in some ways, in that why isn't he even starting? I mean, no manager has really started him since we got him. And we don't really know why. I th- I've, all, I've never come away from a Rodon performance being like, "Why the hell was he out there?" Like he always seems good to find to me when he does play. So like, it'll be interesting. I, I, I think we're going to learn if this guy is just not good enough for Spurs
2: by the I end mean, of the he, year. He did play a fair amount last season. Like, it's not like Jose felt like he was like, out
0: of the team as soon as he could be out of the team. If you know what I mean.
2: I mean, I think I think last season, like he had a few runs there where he played like three or four games in a row and then he would go to the bench for a little bit then play three or four games in a row again. So, I mean, that's not to say that he's definitely good. I mean, like you said, I've never seen him go out there and be like, oh, that guy's a disaster. But like, I also don't think it's I wouldn't say that, like, there's no evidence that or, or that no manager has taken a liking to him yet. I think that. I don't think there's a lot of really positive things to say. We're like, oh yeah, like this. We have a lot of reason to think he's good. I also don't think we have a lot of reason to think he's bad. He's been in a really weird in between space where he's apparently performed well enough in training under both Marino and Mason that like they played him. He also, despite putting in what I thought were at least totally cromulent performances in matches, didn't play well enough either in those matches or in training to stake playing. And I, I don't know what to make of that. So like Mm -hmm. it, I, it, he feels kind of just stuck in purgatory right now.
0: You don't hear about injuries, which isn't to say they aren't happening and you don't hear about, or at least not all the time. And you don't hear about him being like a gaping asshole. Like the only thing we hear about is that he believes in aliens with Gareth Bale. So, I mean, it'd be nice if he turned, if he was like a halfway decent center back who, you know, at least we only need to buy one
2: center back as opposed to two or three um yeah i mean believing in aliens is also like you think about it now that's really far down on the list of concerning things to believe in i mean just on so our much team. has evolved i mean
0: like brazilian fascists, for, for, for instance like
2: implications that could be made about uh a center back's podcast choices <laughs>
0: yeah yeah you're right that's that's not even the worst thing on our back line that someone believes in. <laughs> oh my god it's a really good thing that our our players don't go on podcast well they, when they do go on podcasts it's usually a disaster for the team so uh hopefully they don't go on any our players don't go on any more podcasts in the near future <laughs> brian what um I, I think you look at these two games and they're like i said there's an element of continuity there from Nuno that I think makes sense in terms of match fitness and just fielding a functional team. What do you, I want to put aside what you hope for, what do you, what kind of changes do you think we're going to see in the upcoming matches in terms of lineup at least? I mean, obviously Skip's not going to be able to play um, in the first match back and we'll probably see some, you know, international-itis gymnastics in terms of who's fit. But generally speaking, what kind of in the next two or three matches, what do, what do you think, Brian, that we're going to see?
1: Well, I think one of the things that's already started to come out from Spurs and, and the folks that cover him is that we're going to see the switch away from the 3-4-3 to more of a three-four-one-two, um, with playing someone in the number ten position as a play as opposed to playing you know Lucas and Son. Um, beside Kane or, or, you know, flanking Kane. And so we'll just see Kane and Son as the two strikers um, with someone in the hole behind them, whether that is um, Ndombele or Deli Alley, or if it's Lucas again, uh, I don't know. Uh, But I think that's probably gonna be the big change in – it's gonna be interesting because like all the good players are leaving, right, for, for international breaks. Not so, all they, the good the, players, but a lot mm, of them mostly the sticking players. around at least. Right, right. right. Okay. So and Regulon you know, I mean is... did he not get called up to the, no, time, uh, the under no.
2: twenty ones? Galini will still be around, don't
1: worry. Ooh. Yeah, there we go. We'll have Galini, we'll have uh Regulon, we'll have um Dyer, I, I, yeah, Deli mean, Yeah, but
0: it Unfortunately, was reported already going away. It, it was reported that these guy that a lot of the guys sent on international duty, were apparently given like extra training instructions from from Conte. So, I mean, he's serious about getting these guys whipped into shape, at least.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you're gonna see you're gonna see the guys that are there actually probably play a bigger role over the next couple games, meaning. Maybe we'll see Alley, Maybe we'll see Ndombele, Maybe we'll see Harry Winks. Um, you know, like that. I think that's just kind of. I think we'll see Skip.
0: Um, I mean, Depp, once he's able, once to come he's unsuspended. Back to the team, yeah,
1: you know. yeah. I I just, I just think that's kind of the nature of the, the beast with Conte. Is is you have to get the repetitions in. You have to get um, drilled in the patterns and 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 the way he wants to move the ball and attack and. And so, getting all of the guys those reps without a preseason uh, is is they're going to have to get match reps, basically. And so, while he's got, you know, some guys there getting reps, those guys are obviously going to move ahead of other people in terms of understanding of the system. I think I trust Conte more than I've trusted previous managers to identify, you know weaknesses with the players that you know don't necessarily overcome their understanding of the system but you know for the short term having guys that know this is where this ball goes this is where i make the run is probably not gonna hurt us especially given kind of the schedule that we're playing in the next month or so
2: ryan is this uh deli alley's chance i mean it's it, I mean, I think to some degree, it's everyone's chance. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, how many how many players in this team are you like? Oh yeah, they're they're definitely going to be a regular. It's like Kane, Son, Romero, Royale. Hugo. That's about it. Like, yeah. yeah. And even Royale, you're like, okay, are you going to play like center back or are you going to play wing back? Like, I don't like. I mean, I I think with the exception of four or five players, like it's everyone's chance. And I mean, obviously Delhi, like we're, we're into last chance territory here. But I mean. It's going to come down to one, how fit can everyone get? Because that's the one thing we know about Conte is if you're not fit, you're not playing. And so, and, and that doesn't really, I don't think that's really ever been a problem with Delhi, at least Mm -hmm. not to our knowledge. Like he he's never really looked regularly gassed out there. And I don't think any manager that I can remember has ever complained or the clubs never leaked that he's not fit. So I think that that absolutely works in his favor. Um, I mean, I, I, I think though the, then the question becomes, what can he bring to the table? And and then two, how does that work with other players? And I think that's kind of it is the good thing about Conte, like I said, is that he's going to find ways to balance out what players bring to the table and what they take off the table. Um, he he it's not just going to be like, well, these are our eleven best players. Like it's no, it's gonna be, hey, you do this well and you don't do this well, which means we have to play this player to compensate for that. And I think kind of a lot of for Deli in particular, because it's his last chance to a degree but it it, as well as everyone else it's going to be a lot about fit um with the other players more so than like hey can you play for Conte and the one thing I will say though like I started with Delhi will be fit and so that I mean being able to check that off to begin with is at least a step up and he will be fit and he's going
0: to be there for the next two weeks so he will be drilled in what Conte wants him to do so it's a That's a step up over, say, LaCelso or, you know, Indom. I I don't think he's going to use Ndombele as a 10, but just because we've seen it this year, you know.
2: Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that... Or I guess is going to
0: be there, so it's not a step up.
2: Yeah, I I think an encouraging thing, too, is one, um, Ponte's not going to wait until the 84th minute to make subs. So there's also going to be room for player 12, 13, and 14 to to play some meaningful minutes and hopefully make a difference. So even if Delhi maybe doesn't fit into the regular first 11, I think there's also an avenue for him to be a really useful player off the bench. I mean, that's also true of other players. Like, that could be a Bergwind role. We can go through the list of players who might. But I, I think that also... That is also going to change the dynamic too, where like Conte actually has the plan for how he wants to use a bench and reacts to how, how the match is going in ways where a deli type player um, who can do a lot of different things um, and isn't just a one way player could also find a lot of value off the bench.
0: So we're almost done. Um, we're done talking about Tottenham. But before we leave, Ryan is a special present to you. And Brian, you can join on this, too. Uh, Brian, do you want to talk a little bit about Jose Mourinho's uh, fun, fun couple of weeks in Rome that he's been having? Just a grand it's, old
2: time, right? It's, it's the best thing happening in all of football now. And everyone likes to say that, listen, you don't go to football for justice. And you know what? We're bringing in all these oligarchs to run football clubs. Justice is gone. Nothing matters. No one gets what they deserve. But just go watch Romo play justice is real
0: it's been i mean i thought that Nuno firing came fast but like the, the the Mourinho just like full cycle happening at roma and like i mean he did that with us in what a year and a half two years i mean he's doing it in two months at roma it's 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 bonkers I, I they're having really really terrible results there
1: i just appreciate that the most recent loss came at the hands of america's favorite italian football club uh venezia which is your your favorite exciting. club you you own at least one jersey of right i do i i own one and there's another on the way can, um, can, can either of
2: you can either one of you pronounce that norwegian team that
1: he lost to photo glimped okay
2: i i had I no idea that, That's an attempt. Not, lost lost to him once did not beat them the other time <laughs>
0: almost <laughs> lost uh, the second time it was great yeah Oh, I, I gotta say I had a fun uh, I had a fun little surprise at work the other day I was as part of my job I was doing a search through a uh, a uh, photograph service for uh, I had to use the keywords European conference and I didn't realize that I was doing that and like two rows down I just got like a wall of pictures from the six one Roma Roma lost to that team and it was just a lovely little surprise in my work day
2: I mean if you think it's funny watching him lose to Bodo Glimped six one and just like crash and burn. The only thing that brings me more joy is like thinking about like, what's his next job going to be?
0: National team's the only way he saves face or MLS, but that's not saving face.
2: No, I, that's, there is no face saving here. And that's why like, I, I think national
0: teams is as close as that gets. If he was like, if he became like a major so, national team manager, so I think he what
1: gets major
2: net what major national team hires him?
1: Portugal. I mean,
0: eventually I could see Portugal. The U S no one, no one's going to hire him. I think ahead of, I mean, a, a Petra state, I could see hiring him before the next world cup, but.
2: Well, that's what I'm saying though. is like the, like he's not, I don't think he's getting the Portugal job now because like they have a line of Portuguese younger coaches that they like. And so it's like, he, he, who's going to hire him? Like maybe he'll go like coach Ukraine or something like that. But like, Just thinking about him falling to the point where like he's got to go play like and probably lose a qualifier for the Euros in Budapest. Like, God, that it is so beautiful.
1: I mean, he could always take the Porto job after the current manager moves on to something else.
0: I'm just amazed he went and got right back on that horse after Spurs because, you know, you think his stock would have recovered a little bit. Like, if he just, like, went and was a pundit for a while, you know. But, man, it's just, I mean, because at first he was just getting torched in the conference league. But, you know, I'm, I'm paying more attention to Serie a than i paid in a long time this year. Just because I've been sort of tracking his descent. And it's just, I don't know. Apparently Roma fans are, like, on board with him because they're buying into his, like, winner's mentality bullshit. But I can only believe that's going to go on for so long before he loses that job.
1: The Mu'anon folks are very strong over there, I guess. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, Ugh. the the only the only disappointing part, and I guess it's still on, is like, oh, I just want to beat the shit out of them in the conference league. Like, I want to draw them so badly. There's no and, way they get
0: out of their group, is there? Like
2: Yeah, Bodo Glyph is leading the group and they're like one point back. Jesus, that's depressing. So yeah. So like they could get out of their group and like just imagine getting to play Roma in like the quarterfinals. Like that's, that's all I want is to just win nine no. one. And like, I, I want to do want, that in the final. That's what I want to do. Beat They're in the not front. making the final. No, like, they're that's, not. We can't, we, we can't bank on that, but like, I just want to win nine one with like Tongi, just like being so excited at the end that he boots the ball and it just like hits Mourinho right in the kidney and like
1: ruptures his kidney. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's it. that that's one way of envisioning it. Um the other way would be we lose to Jose Mourinho's Roma because Spurs. No, no we're no, no, we're, we're a real football club
2: again.
0: Yeah, no, I was worried about that at the beginning of the year, Brian, but like
2: he, no, not no, even Spurs, yeah. like,
0: just watching Roma this year. It's, like, nah, like not, not really concerned about it. Ten,
2: ten days ago, I would have said that. But we're good now. Also, in case you're curious, the reason they are still second place in their group is the other teams in their group are Bodo Glimpt, Zoria Luhansk,
1: and Chiska Sofia. That's, that's got to be, like, what, a Ukrainian team?
2: Luhansk is a—yeah, they're a Ukrainian team. And so that that is how you uh, that's how you Jose Mourinho your way into second place in the conference
1: league while getting the doors blown off you by Bodo Glimt. You know, it's It's not even one of the two Ukrainian teams we're supposed to know. That's weird. (laughs) You know, who knew there was someone other than Shakhtar
0: and Dinamo? One of the best things about Mourinho's season at Roma is that we can all be confident in the knowledge that this is definitely not the floor of Mourinho's career. Hell, probably not the floor of his season.
2: that next job, that next job is like that. I just like, I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. But you know, it's going to be even more beautiful. That next
1: humiliating job. I mean, eventually he's going to just take over some team in the like the Qatari All Star League or whatever, like where Zavi, Javi, what's his fucking name, Zavi Javi, fuck, I don't know, whatever. We're the Barcelona manager with we're,
0: we're the, the former winner of the uh, Qatari lottery. Weird, <laughs> yeah. weird yeah. how that happens. weird how that worked yeah. out. Uh, yeah, if that that'll be really funny when he does that. When he go when he goes to a retirement league, like a real like I don't want to like pick up MLS, but like there is a
2: difference between MLS and a Qatar League. Um, the question the question is which MLS club is most likely to hire him? The Galaxy. Miami. Come on.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. There's a disagreement here.
1: I'm just saying David Beckham loves name recognition, and you know if he himself will not take over coaching.
2: Didn't, yeah. he be- didn't he beef with Mourinho, though? And he just likes to hire his friends. They're not, it's not about just name recognition. It's about hiring your friends because this is an honest club. I mean, if
0: it's about name recognition, then, I mean, you're a Galaxy fan. It's the Galaxy, right, Ryan?
2: Uh, yeah, but they've never really gone. They've never really looked into big names for managers except for when they hired Rude Hulet. And then they 180 they on that real quick. So I don't think it's there. They don't. They like to spend. They like to overpay for um, old players, not old coaches.
0: Yeah, but Mourinho's kind of like a player. I don't know. I think. I think. I think Mourinho in MLS is going to be
2: <laughs> kind of like a player. I
0: mean, no. In terms of like profile, like that's kind of why we hired him, like because he's got like a big, high profile. It like, gets people excited. It's. I don't know. It's going to be a disaster either way. I'm very excited.
2: I'm, I'm very. Excited. I just, I just hope like, wherever
1: like, where he goes is miserable. Like yeah. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about like FC Cincinnati. Well, that's what I'm
2: saying. Like, that's my dream. Is I want him to end up in a town where, like, all of Europe is like googling, like, what is that place?
1: Yeah, a place that, like, you know how we like fuck up pronunciations of Zoria Luhansk. Like, I want them to be like Kin Kennedy. Like, yeah, how... That's not that's not how that word is pronounced.
2: How do you think he gets along in Salt Lake?
1: Uh, I mean. He's not a drinker, so and he goes to bed early. I think, so I think he'd be fine. <laughs> he does have tattoos?
0: Does he? Yeah, on his wrist, he's got like a big wrist tattoo. Like his wa- It's it's surprisingly large. Go look it up. I was I was a little. It's not like like a name written across your wrist. It's like a name like that big. It's like his wife's name. Or it's something like his like. face, or I mean, it I should be. But he's got a surprisingly large wrist tattoo that he has apparently had for a while. I I, I didn't notice it till he was at Spurs, but. Um,
1: huh, I didn't know that. I learned something new today. Thank you, Greg. Yeah,
0: no worries. Uh, I don't know, a Desperate Sounders. Could you see that happening? No, Atlanta no, United. Atlanta United.
2: Oh, see, I was going to make an Atlanta United joke, but it's not as funny without Ben here. <laughs> it's true.
0: God, can you imagine if it... I hadn't even put that together yet. Yeah. How miserable that would make Ben. No, it wouldn't make him miserable, because he just stopped paying attention to Atlanta United, and how would he know the difference, so... anyway (laughs) on that note it's time to wrap it up Ryan where can people find you on the internet
2: nowhere
1: don't look for me
0: okay Uh, we get that a lot on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) Brian, where where can people find you on the internet
1: you can find me on twitter.com at brian underscore ashlock that is brian with a y
0: you can find me talking about lovely things at my twitter account at skiptack0079 and you can send me all your favorite tweets about wrestling to my wrestling account at ryan rosenblatt on twitter.com don't forget to follow us at our new at our podcast feed it's not new anymore it's over a year old at wdr podcast that's wdr as in wheeler dealer radio leave us a five-star review on itunes because we're good boys and we deserve it and i think that's it ryan thank you very much for joining us
2: yeah yeah happy again exactly we
0: for brian for ryan for our dearly departed ben and of course for brett rainbow i've been your host greg come on you spurs